winnable game. And, like, it really wasn't even the Saints going out and winning. It was us losing it. Mm-hmm. Like, we turned it over four times. We had 80 more penalty yards than they did. And it was literally just us just shooting ourselves in the foot the whole game. Like, the Saints did nothing special. They didn't They didn't run the ball well, three yards a carry. Passing game was nothing crazy. They had under three, 300 yards of total offense. It's just they had zero turnovers and we had four. And that was just the same old, we're going to fall short. Our offense is going to be absolutely just stagnant in the second half. Or we look great in the first half, and then we get away from what we were doing. And then our defense stepped up at the end, but it didn't do well enough. And then now, of course, Cairo is going to be missing kicks for the next month because he finally missed one. So it's just kind of like the same Bears team we saw last year. It's really no improvement. Mm-hmm. What what about the offense to you is the main culprit and why it looks so stagnant? I feel like once we get out of like our first fifteen, like you know the scripted plays, and we have to make adjustments or like the defense adjusts, we just don't know what to do, and it's just like kind of very repetitive, and the defense knows what's coming. Plus, you know, Bajan came out; he looked fantastic. I mean, that second half he had. I mean, first half, he had two passing touchdowns. He had, like, 70 rushing yards. He looked great, but I feel once the Saints got a feel for what he was going to do and they wanted to confuse him a little more, he was – I mean, he threw it to him three times. Plus, um, for whatever reason, we decided to rotate Braxton Jones and Larry Borman. We take Braxton out during the most important drive, and then they get a sack fumble on him. You know, it was a linebacker rushing him, a middle linebacker, Demario Davis, not even, like, one of their good pass rushers. So that and then our run game kind of went stagnant. Towards the end, so mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when when looking at that rotation of Braxton Jones and Larry Borum, Larry Borum is a very hot streak type of player. He gets on these like two to three game stretches where he looks very good, but I then recently he hasn't been looking good. He looks terrible. He's on that cold streak of the hot streak. He's a microwave player, and yeah. then you mix in Braxton Jones, who is coming off a pretty serious injury, an injury that I mean, he missed for six weeks. Yeah. Exactly, that's a quarter of the season that he's missing right there, or third of the season that he's missing right there. You know, and you're putting him into the situation where he can't get warmed up because you're constantly taking him out to have this quote unquote competition that is unnecessary. Yeah. It doesn't help anybody out in that situation and it least helps out Tyson Badgett, who's not an experienced quarterback. I mean, He's a guy you don't want to be giving that uncertainty to. Yeah, he know? was going against like Westchester University last year. Like now he's in the Superdome against a good defense, the Saints defense. Mm. And then defensively, it was the same old story. Absolutely no pass rush other than Montrez Sweat on a couple plays, which is at least that's good to see. Mm-hmm. But no one else did anything. I mean, we did step up at the end. We got, like, those three straight stops to, like, keep us within seven points. But... I mean, the thing I was happiest about with our defense is our run defense. and Our I run think defense Mon- is fantastic. I think Montez Sweat showed up a lot more than that. There's a couple yeah. plays where... They tried to get a nice outside zone on us, and Montez Sweat pushed the tight end perfectly so that the guy had to keep running outside, and then it yeah. opens up space for our uh, defensive backs. To... He was just pushing guys around. like He used those long arms to his advantage. He was just long-arming people the whole game. Worked every time. I mean, he got close a couple times to a sack. He was a half a second away from a strip sack on the third quarter, I believe. It looks to me to already be paying off. Mm-hmm. So that's what you like to see if you pay him $98 million and trade a second-round pick. But other than that, I thought Billings had a good game. 
Uh, our young corners that we've invested heavily in are not very good, in my opinion. They The craziest thing is <clears throat> they tackle amazing. They can tackle, but that's about it. That that same play that I'm talking about with Montez Witt, Kyler Gordon made it a phenomenal tackle on yeah. that play. Phenomenal. And Tyreek Stevenson hits hard. He hits very hard, but, but these guys can't just cover. do not cover. They do not. And then, of course, thinking that we have you know very aggressive – Tough physical players. We want maybe play like some press man, get physical, get up in them. No, we just play a soft zone where we, they have to like think in space. Where they're running Chris Olave on a slant three straight times and we can't stop it because they're running these soft zones that are giving them that space. How how do you expect Tyree Stevenson to even make that play? And then when you mix in that fact that TJ Edwards, who has I've given him a lot of, you know, slack over the past couple of weeks where he's just not been able to cover but there's times where he just he isn't a good coverage linebacker. We have to yeah. accept that you can't put him in that situation. They're putting him into they bad situations. They put him in terrible situations every week. There's no reason he should be the guy that has to pick up Chris Olave on that play. Like we like he really wasn't that in Philadelphia. So I don't know why we're expecting him to be like a like a young athletic Kenneth Murray type linebacker or like one of those or like a Divine Diablo former safety something like that. He he's a very old school style linebacker. Yeah. Which would be awesome if we were playing in an old school style league, but it's not. It's much yeah. more fast paced. There's running backs coming out of the backfield, and if a guy like that can't cover, maybe first of all you move him to more of a pass rushing role where he's a bigger, harder threat where he can help in the run game, which is where he probably belongs because he has the second most tackles in the entire league. But a lot of that comes from him not being able to cover people, so he's getting coverage tackles or gang tackles, jumping in on stuff. And he's not useful in a role where he where we need him to be useful. And you see that where Jack Sanborn comes into this game when Tremaine Edmonds is out and plays his butt off. Fantastic. Ten total tackles, eight solos, one TFL. You look great. And you saw the effect he had in the past game that TJ Edwards doesn't have. Yeah. And it, it's tough to watch that. Again, when we, we hype this guy up so much, and it's just frustrating to see that happen even though I've come to terms with the idea that he's not just not able to do that. And that that's okay. He's good at a lot of other things. But you can't keep putting him into that situation, especially when our corners aren't going to cover either. So you can't expect him to be the best coverage guy on the field when we have better options in that role. Put Jack Sanborn over in that role. Or crazy idea. <laughs> Revolutionary idea right here. We drafted a, a Sewell brother out of uh... – Oregon this year, and he was really supposed to be a first rounder, but he he slid for whatever reason. And he's an extremely athletic, and he's very Kenneth athletic and young, and can move as well. But they don't want to do that. I don't know. I could really wonder why. <laughs> it's it's just baffles. especially when we're down the wonderful leader Tremaine Edmonds that we paid over Roquan Smith, but we don't want to give him a chance. Just to see what he can do. It baffles me that we give, or we don't give players like that shots on this type of team where we're not expected to win a lot of games. So you might as yeah. well give those guys shots. But like guys the new, like, he's like the new Thomas Graham. Exactly. But then guys like Velas Jones are getting shots every freaking week. Every single week he gets a shot and messes up. Velas Jones is the worst football player I have ever seen in my life. I'm sorry. He is below relegation. He is below it. He's in damnation. That's what he is. He played two snaps in this game. Two snaps. 
We gave him the ball for whatever reason, even though he fumbles every time. He literally almost fumbled. It was a tenth of a second away from me. If he had one more foot in the ground, it was going to be a fumble. And then we throw him on special teams for whatever reason, and he just grabs a face mask. And gets them, they put him on the 35-yard line. If, if they made that field goal, the game would have been over right there. And granted, on that play, he was getting held like worse than anybody I've ever seen get held in their entire life. So it should have been offsetting penalties. But at the same time, don't put yourself in that situation. <sighs> and then he's tweeting out saying, I know who I am. I tweeted at him on Sunday. He didn't respond, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. Worst player I've ever seen. It, like, that single-handedly should get Ryan Poles fired. Um, going into this... I'm fed up. Going into this Thursday game, talking about that, we are playing the Panthers, who we have their first-round pick. They're one of the worst teams in the league, right along with the Chicago Bears. What happens if the Bears don't win this game? If the Chicago Bears cannot win this game at home against the Carolina Panthers, who have been absolutely terrible this year, basically the worst team in the league. I'd put them their worst in Arizona. I'm firing Iberflus. I'm firing Getze. And I'm, I'll bring someone in from the outside to be the interim head coach. I'll bring in a Lovey Smith or a you know a former player, so something like that. I will do that. And then I'll have Andrew Ginoco be the play caller. Maybe he'll work better with our quarterbacks that both aren't very good. And he, like this is a like I don't want to lose this game because like I'd rather have them be the number one overall deep pick instead of us. Mm-hmm. Like we win this game, we okay, we're three and seven. That's still terrible, but at least like at least we have a bye the next week and then we can get fully ready for the Lions, which is gonna be a battle. But like at least we have momentum and a bye week to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Cause then we we're at least looking good going into Detroit. Like we hopefully we won't get bears forty to ten like we did last game against them. Mm-hmm. But I mean this is a crucial game. I mean Eberflus, it's like at this point it's like you have to win some games if you wanna stay. So this is a must-win if you're him. Mm-hmm. You you said that this is a must-win if he wants to stay. Do you see any world where he does stay at the end of this season? Barring us going like 10-7 and seven or 9-8 and eight <laughs> and turning it around completely, I can't see it. I really can't. Maybe even an 8-9 and nine where we just kind of go nuts and maybe lose a game where it's not our fault, where it's like a blown call or something. Then I could kind of see it and the fields look good. That would help. Other than that, I mean, I don't see that happening because we look at our schedule, right? I think we'll beat Carolina. Go three, three and seven. We're not beating Detroit in Detroit, so that's three and eight at the Vikings. I mean, with Josh Jobs playing the way he is, and now they got this new <laughs> the, fantastic the astronaut. Yes, that's my favorite. Yes, <laughs> that's three and nine. Then after that's the Lions again. I say maybe we win that, go to four to nine, then at the Browns. Okay, Miles Garrett's gonna have like eight sacks. Four and ten, Cardinals and Falcons six and ten. At Packers six and eleven. That's why I think we go. All right. Going into this next game, kind of beyond the coaching expectations, what are your expectations for Justin Fields if he plays this entire game, stays healthy? What are we looking at for the rest of the season? I just want him to just go out and just play ball the rest of the year. Just so at least he can be put himself in a good position for next year, whether he's with us or not, because we've done literally everything possible to destroy him and to go against him since he's been here. If I were him, I would want to get traded from this terrible organization that doesn't support him and likes an undrafted rookie for no reason more than him. So I hope he just play. I'm just rooting for Fields at this point. Our 
Playoff chances are basically done. We're not making it. So at this point, I'm just rooting for him to play well. That's all I want out of these next eight games. Mm-hmm. Kind of with the Eberflus question, do you do you expect Justin Fields to be on the team after this season? I feel it really depends on how he finishes. I mean, if he looks like how he did against the Broncos and Commanders the rest of the year, yeah, he's staying. Well, at least I would. I'm not drafting another quarterback. Just why? So we can restart and ruin him too. I really feel it's like kind of like a this is kind of like a Daniel Jones situation or the first year where he actually has like a good coach, like he'll ball out probably more than Daniel Jones. But I really do feel like it's that type of situation, like an Alex Smith situation. I was with them; they were bad for like three, four years. They got Jim Harbaugh, and oh, he's a good quarterback. He can win playoff games. I feel like it's going to be a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Um. What what options do you see likely if we move on from Justin Fields, both in the draft and outside of the draft, free agent-wise, trade-wise? Are there any options there that you could see coming? Trades, I don't see anything other than maybe Kyler Murray, but I wouldn't trade for Kyler Murray. What what don't you like about Kyler Murray? He's coming off the ACL. We don't know how he's going to play after the ACL because he's a quarterback that relies on his speed and agility, and he's five foot four. <laughs> and I don't think he has the attitude and mentality for Chicago. And he doesn't like the cold. And I don't know how committed he is to playing football because he can go play and be a starting shortstop in the MLB. <laughs> so there's that. Mm-hmm. Free agency, there's not really going to be any options, really. No one's a free agent. But draft is going to be Caleb Williams, Drake May. We'll have the cream of the crop, whoever we want, really, because we're either going to be the first overall, the second, or both. So I think Carolina is going to at least be the minimum top three pick. So... Or it is Michael Penix Jr. that I really like, but would crumble if he was on the Bears. Mm-hmm. Do you have any doubts in any of those top quarterbacks in that draft so far as the season has kind of progressed for college football-wise? I don't like Caleb Williams. It's more so his mentality than his physical ability. His physical ability is fantastic, but I don't like I mean, he, he last year when Max Duggan was crying at the press conference, he like tagged him and was like, LOL. Uh-huh. Then he's like crying in his mom's arms after the game. Like a little, like a six-year-old, and he paints his nails and says "F this team" on his nails, and then he's like, "I want ownership of whatever team picks me." Dude, you can't even like win ten games. You want ownership? I just don't particularly like him very much. Yeah, I think there's a lot of signs there that we have seen from other top quarterback prospects that don't work out. Yeah, that are starting to show through, and I think people are giving him a lot of slack on it, or a lot of you know. Garbage on his actual like play when in reality that defense is one of the. Oh well, yeah, the reason why they're the losing country. is because <laughs> that defense is terrible. It's not because of him. Yeah, but no doubt. Like you said, it's the intangibles that kind of make it a questionable pick. If you put that aside, do you think his talent still stands above all the other guys in this draft? <laughs> I mean, Drake May is awfully talented. Penix, if he wasn't thirty and made out of peanut brittle, could be <laughs> number one. It's just that with that injury history, I he's gonna slide because of that. His injury history is bad. A couple torn ACLs, a couple other torn ligaments. You know, not good. Mm. He's lost a lot of mobility since that last ACL in 2020. So he came out, remember they, they upset Penn State, and he was at that legendary diving two-point conversion. Now he he can't, he can just sling it. Mm-hmm. He can absolutely sling it. But that's about it. I kind of feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. It's like an old racehorse after it's broken its leg and it can't really move anymore. So you got to put, yeah, it's like that. But... Then you have Drake May. He might be the most physically talented of all of them. 6'5", can run, good arm. Comes from a legendary 
family, the May family, you know, like Luke May, we had the buzzer beater for the basketball team, a couple other ones that played, I believe pro sports. So like one was a pro baseball player. So you just like everything about that. And then after that, it's, I mean, I don't know, Quinn, Shooter's not coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quinn Ewers, I'm not a big fan of. You know, no one else, Bo Nix, he's cool. That's like a guy I wouldn't mind picking the second or third round if we want to stick with Fields if we want to give him competition. Yeah. I'm good with him the second or third round. But other than that, it's no one I'd take over Fields. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the quarterbacks, let's move on to our next section. Let's talk about our halfway point AP all first all team first pros. Sackley, who would you have as the best quarterback in the league right now for your for your team? Best quarterback right now. This is gonna sound stupid, but for what the expectations were and what he has around him, I'm giving it to C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. Cause you look at the stats. Patrick Mahomes has not been special by any means this year. Herbert, he hasn't done anything really the last he's three games. He's kind of disappointed me. He's disappointed. Anything. Kirk would have been my pick. It's just he's out for the year. Kirk was playing at an absolute fantastic level carrying that team. Maybe because it is a midseason one, I, I would give it to Kirk. But since he's out now, I mean, last two and a half games, or game and a half, sorry, I'm going to give it to see. I mean, 14 touchdown passes to one pick. He's got 2,200 yards. I mean, he and all he has is Tank Dell and Nico Collins, like, and four injured offensive linemen for the beginning of the season. And like, he's done this against solid teams. Tampa, Pittsburgh, he smacked Pittsburgh around. It's one of the better defenses in the league. They beat the Jaguars, who are like a contender in our minds. I mean, I'd give it to C.J. Stroud. It sounds kind of nuts. Probably not a lot of people are going to go that route. But that's who I'm giving it to. I mean, you you look at this last game. On Sunday, that man was playing Madden out there. He had one of the most beautiful throws I've ever seen in my life. That throw to Tank Dell on the left sideline before the touchdown. Mm-hmm. The touchdown throw was good too, but that was like, whoa. He is like he's doing stuff that like no one else can do. He just isn't so control. Mm-hmm. I mean that that ball that you're talking about, it was, it was perfectly on like on the sideline. If right where he caught it was right on the sideline. It was right in between the corner and the safety in the perfect spot. There are five other quarterbacks in the league right now that I think can make that throw. In that situation, that type of throw on the money, that perfect. It it was beautiful. I mean, I would give it he was one of my honorable mentions. My number one overall, I talked about a little bit, was Tua. Yeah. And I, I understand you're kind of going opposite of what you were saying about C.J. Stroud. He has everything around him yeah. to make him successful. That's what Tua and Tua does not perform well in the big games. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just throwing balls. Where I was like, what? Did it get hit? Did it fall out of his hand? Mm-hmm. It was just floating down in Germany. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you look at that game, and Kansas City has had one of the best defenses in the league for a few years now. I think it goes pretty underrated and that that helps him out a lot out a lot in these games. But there's just moments where Tua looks like what people saw that rookie year and that second year. And you get the glimpses yeah. of that. And I can I can see that I I want to see him take that next step in this second half of the season and hopefully going into the playoffs here. I think if he can do that and if he can be more consistent moving forward, and this is kind of the reason that I didn't want to give it to Josh Allen either, and I think a lot of people would give Josh Allen that number one spot right now, is that 
there's just games where they both look like they're falling off a cliff. Yeah. Like they look like they're rookie year versions. Yeah. Do you, do you see any other quarterbacks that you would give some love to in the league that deserve some Lamar's had a fantastic year. The Ravens are arguably the best team in football right now. Uh as you said, Josh Allen at times is it's kind of just good Josh, bad Josh. What are we gonna get? Why do you think that hasn't changed over the past few years? Why do why do we keep getting the Jekyll and Hyde, Josh Allen? Because we got the same team around him. They still can't run the ball and they still don't want to run the ball. So it's always gonna be on him. They can say, okay, we only but he has to be that. Or else they're not going to win games because they don't run the ball. They refuse to do it. They have good running backs, or either that or they can't do it at times, like they did Sunday night. His offensive line isn't fantastic, and he has one legitimate wide receiver. He has to do that. Gabe Davis is okay, but he's that's a number two, number three, and a lot of every other team in the NFL. Other than that, who do they have at receiver? They have Kink- Khalil Shakir. Yeah, Khalil Shakir, and they have Kincaid at tight end who's good for a rookie. That's it. He has to do that mm-hmm. until they change up their scheme and you know invest in the O line. It's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Going into the second half of the season, do you see any guys falling out of that top tier of quarterbacks and any guys rising into that top tier of quarterbacks? Do you see any shifting happen in these rankings that we have? I mean, Stroud will hit the rookie wall at some point. There'll at least be a two game stretch where he looks mortal. Um. I would assume that Patrick Mahomes would eventually look like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Hurts, I feel, is now getting into full rhythm. Looked good against the Cowboys, no picks. Looked good last game, no picks. Looked good against the Dolphins. He looks like Jalen Hurts now. It would be better once his knee heals up a little bit. He'll run a little more. He's really kind of just a pocket passer right now. Him, I could see. um, I could also see... Uh, what do you call it? Where is it? Sorry, one second. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of, he always has the bad first two, three games and then plays fantastic the rest of the year. That's happening now. Back-to-back wins against the 49ers and Bills. Looking fantastic. Six total touchdowns, no picks. 300-plus yards in each game. I would say it's probably going to be Burrow. Are there any guys you're expecting to surprise you going into the second half of the season? Some guys take a really big jump? Now that he has weapons around him and is on a better team, not saying he's going to be a top five quarterback, but Josh Dobbs can go from backup, bridge guy, to I think I want to give him a deal to come in and be our starting quarterback. I've always been high on him. He was a beast at Tennessee. I watched him a lot as a South Carolina fan. He was a dog in college. Went to a bad fit with the the Steelers, you know, Big Ben, and he didn't fit in that offense. But you look at what he did against Atlanta on the road without knowing any of the plays. He looked good in Arizona and Tennessee. Now you give him Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, Hawkinsmith, or Hawkinson, sorry, I had a coach. Hawkinson, he was a cool guy. Madison, for what it's worth, because Akers tore his Achilles again. KJ Osborne is Osborne. one of the best three receivers yeah. in the oh, league. You're beautiful, Chuck. <laughs> I think he might legitimately have a chance of being like, he won't just be a guy where he's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his quote from after that game, he said it seemed like he was spending his whole year studying for a Spanish exam, and then when he got there, 
uh, it felt like they gave him a French exam, and that's what he was saying. It felt like through the whole entire game, and yeah. he just came out and balled. And that's then, without Justin Jefferson. That's with you know not knowing the plays, not knowing his teammates or coaches. Really, we. I mean, we could see a Case Keenum type season from him in this Minnesota offense. You think about that a couple of years ago, where Case Keenum was kind of in the same way, just bounced around teams, being a backup for a lot of guys, got a shot to start, and then he got a contract out of it to be a starter. Two I mean, two contracts to be starters after that. You look at him. I mean, two touchdown passes. Yeah, the yards per attempt weren't very crazy, but but no, he nobody didn't know the offense. And honestly, if you look around the league, nobody's has this year. It's been a lot of lower yeah, yards. It per really attempt. has, and then. They don't have any running backs. So he's going to be running the ball. He had six for 66 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. A couple crazy runs that were just beautiful to watch. A couple of those were kneel downs, too, so it was kind of skewed. But, I mean, he, this offensive line is decent. Like I think he could – I'm not saying he's going to be all pro, but he's going to go from a guy that's a you know, backup journeyman. We don't really know what he is to, hey, I think I want to give him a deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think – Forget the for dra- forget drafting Quinn Ewers in number twenty five overall. <laughs> I'm getting Joshua Dobbs. Well, I mean, that seems like something the New England Patriots would do both. They they'd give him Josh Dobbs a deal and then draft Quinn Ewers at the twenty fifth. Yeah. <laughs> After trading down just for neither one of them to be good. And then draft like a guard from like Elmhurst University <laughs> yeah. in the second round. <laughs> With the first overall pick in the second round, Don Brown. Don Brown. <laughs> He's a Journeyman center, but we're he's there. They feel he can be a good fit at left tackle. <laughs> Shout out, Don. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our next position. Let's talk about running backs. Who would you have as your first team All Pro in this? Yeah, give it to McCaffrey. I mean, he's just been so good, especially early in the year. He's been so good. Uh, they've kind of struggled the last couple games, so but I foresee him being the number one running back the rest of the season. Other than that, though, I guess I can see him surpassing or Travis Etienne the way he's playing this year. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry always has a chance, especially if they keep Will Levis in the lineup, to have, just have a couple monster 200-yard games mm-hmm. and kind of surpass him. But other than that, it's McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, what McCaffrey has done for this 49ers team so far, when he was out during that one game, you just saw their offense fall apart. Him, yeah. him and Debo, once they were out of there, that team fell apart without him. And that just goes to how impactful he is on this game. Um, kind of looking at what he's done so far this season, he has 652 rushing yards with nine touchdowns, add on all the receiving yards he has. Is there a shot we could see the first non-quarterback MVP this season in a, in a while? It's very possible. I do, However, I think that award could go to A.J. Brown at this point, especially if the Eagles go like, Fifteen and one, or like sixteen and one, or whatever. And we'll talk about AJ Brown a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, we also have to remember DeAndre Swift. If they just say forget Gainwell and Boston Scott and all these guys and just give them the rock twenty times a game, I could see that happening behind mm-hmm. that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Do you what? What other names are you seeing in the league for this running back spot that you would give some love to for that first team All Pro spot in your mind? I mean, you just mentioned DeAndre Swift. Uh, I mean, Raheem Mostert, <laughs> of all people, is having a fantastic year. I mean, you look at Raheem, 605 yards and staggering 11 touchdowns. I believe that's only rushing. Let me look up the stats. He has 
11 rushing touchdowns, and he's got 13 touchdowns so far this year. I mean, that's insane. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> like, at 31, too. And then Zach Moss, out of nowhere, beast, 615 yards, second in the league. Yeah. After that group of guys, it gets pretty hard to start giving credit to guys. Yeah. What what has been the downfall of the running backs this season, do you think? Saquon got hurt. S. Eckler got hurt. Josh Jacobs is on the Raiders. <laughs> and Tony Pollard really hasn't done much. It's just a lot of guys have gotten injured. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor missed the first three games, the four games. Aaron Jones has missed, missed a bunch of games. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. They've all had bad luck this year. Mm-hmm. What what does that do to the running back market moving forward as we've kind of seen a lot of turmoil and drama? I mean, Zach Moss has basically slaughtered the running back market at this point. He, he was like the final nail in the coffin. Let's go sign Jonathan Taylor, three years, $42 million, just for him to be the number two running back behind Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still outperforming him. But, yeah. In this running back group, is there any names that have disappointed you so far this season because there has been such a lack of production? What people stand out to you there? Jacobs, I mean, the paltry 3.2 yards per carry, that's kind of disappointed me. Uh, Joe Mixon was very slow to start the season. He's now starting to ratchet up a little bit. Cam Akers, I mean, had to get traded from the Rams because he couldn't get along with anyone there. Then he goes to the Vikings, doesn't do anything, and gets hurt. Uh, oh yeah, then we talk about Nick Chubb. He got hurt too. So, Madison is terrible. <laughs> That's who I was just. About I'm to better than up. Alexander Madison. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't think I want to see you in the backfield. Oh, we're, we're scoring touchdowns all day, baby. <laughs> on the 22 zone, I'm getting downhill. <laughs> kind of with the quarterback question that I asked earlier. Are there any names that you could see taking a rise into this? Top tier of guys moving forward in the rest of the season. Any guys falling out? If they just gave him the ball, Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. But Arthur Smith doesn't want to do that. His dad, I guess, is the founder of FedEx. I just learned about that and too. FedEx yeah. doesn't deliver on Sundays, and he forgets <laughs> how to call plays on Sundays, so it, it runs in the genes. <laughs> um, in Atlanta, do you think we're seeing the end of the Arthur Smith era? Yes, this season he's gone. He's relegated in my mind. <laughs> I mean, you got. Kyle Pitts, most talented tight end of all time, physically talented. You got B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, and you just hand and throw the ball to Janu Smith the whole game, who hasn't had a good year since 2019. Relegation. <laughs> Him and Desmond Ritter are both in relegation. <laughs> Go play for the Atlanta Sugar Le- Legends. That was like the name of the AAF team that went bankrupt after two weeks. Insane. Yeah. Your memory is something else. Mike Vick was a special advisor to that team. I wonder what they did in their free time. <laughs> Do you think that just getting the ball into the hands of some of these talent on their team is the only thing that they need to do to change their course this season or next season? Or what other changes would you do if you were the Atlanta Falcons? I'm getting a quarterback. That's all they need. Mm-hmm. Those guys in the offensive line, they just need a quarterback and a common play caller. Go get Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. Who who would you be eyeing at the quarterback for that team? Um, if I'm doing a trade, I'm getting uh, Justin Fields. If I'm going to draft, they'll be decently high. I don't think they'll be top 10. 
So, you know, like a Jalen Daniels is rising, a Ewers, someone like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Michael Penix, if he falls, that'd be a perfect fit. Yeah. Just to play action with that cannon of an arm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what you said about Justin Fields, I think that's going to be their number one target in the whole offseason. Should, they should have just gonna, drafted him. They should have. I think they... I think they should have tried to trade for him at the deadline if they could have. I don't think the Bears were really offering him that much, but there had to have been some kind of interest there. Yeah. That they would have had to at least check out the interest. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that player, just him in that offense would open up that game so much more for that team. I think when you have a guy like Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke there, that kind of makes a coach worried. So they tighten up their playbook, which is what I think Arthur Smith is doing. But he tightens it up in such a awful way that like when most coaches tighten up a playbook it means run the ball up the middle, hand it off, just hand it off. Don't get your quarterback into trouble. Play action it, you know, rollouts. But he screens. doesn't he doesn't do that. He just does like tight end sweep with Jimmy Smith. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> really all he does. Which works for like Two plays a year for the Kansas City Chiefs, not for yeah. you guys. Kansas City Chiefs got to have one of the best tight ends of all time. Yeah. Not Johnny Smith. Um, let's hop on over to the wide receivers. I think we can talk about them a little bit more. Who are your top two wide receivers in the league so far this season? I mean, for me, it's Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. I think that's a pretty easy time, I mean, too. Tyreek Hill, yeah, it's, that's the easy one, but like, no one is really talking about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown didn't even really get the ball the first two games. He had 125-plus yards in six straight games. That was the NFL record. No one's talking about that. First player ever to do that. I mean, he's got 1,005 yards. He's on pace for 2,000 yards, basically. He's got six touchdowns, 15 yards to catch, 67 catches. He's a tank. Mm -hmm. He's carrying that offense. Mm -hmm. Um. Because he's kind of the main main focus in that offense, we've seen a decline in a guy like Devontae Smith in that offense, and now Dallas Goddard's going to be missing some time with that offense. Do you think that hurts their chances as contenders moving forward at all? Do you see that being scary that he's the only piece? In that no, because when they go against better teams, they're going to do better against A.J. Brown, and that's when Devontae Smith's going to, like as we saw against the Cowboys, better defense, and then, oh, he has like a 50-yard touchdown. Dallas Goddard, okay, they're going to go underneath on the – Post routes that uh, not the hitches like the kind of out routes that they do with the tight ends there, in that scheme, it'll make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the argument that's been going on recently, and I think at first people weren't noticing AJ Brown, but I think kind of this past week they're starting to open it up. Who's the better player, AJ Brown or Tyreek Hill? In your mind? I think about Tyreek Hill. He's a very unique player. There's not a lot of Tyreek Hills, obviously with that speed, but like. He came in as like a gadget guy, then became like a very fully faceted wide receiver. I would say it's easier to find an A.J. Brown than it is a Tyree Kill. A.J. Brown's just your typical fast, athletic freak wide receiver. Tyree Kill is your kind of almost positionless player that obviously is faster than anyone we've ever seen before. But you can just do so many things. I'd give it to Tyree Kill. He can play inside, outside, doesn't matter. How much credit do you give, kind of going off that A.J. Brown question, how much credit do you give to Tyreek Hill for how good the Dolphins' offense has been this season? He's the reason why the offense is good. The reason why what makes the offense work is that he can get behind you any second. You have to worry about where he is pre-snap every single play, and just the separation that he gets. It's easy 30-yard completion every time. Mm-hmm. 
So without a Tyreek Hill, what do you think the record of that Dolphins team would be? Like five and three. Well, they're six and three now. I'd say like five and four. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a mediocre team because the times their defense isn't that good. Times their offense isn't that good. They're either the greatest show on turf or they're bad. Like we've seen the two out of the last three games. Mm-hmm. Without him, they're just kind of an average team. Um, sticking with these two guys, earlier you had mentioned A.J. Brown's name in the MVP conversation. Kind of going off of that, do you see one of these guys possibly winning the MVP this year? No, it's always going to go to the better team, so I'd say A.J. Brown, just because the Dolphins aren't going to win big games. It's just what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eagles, they just won a big game, and if they go 15-2, and two, it's going to go to him out of those two. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see a world where they they do win it? I mean, you said out of those two. If but... A.J. Brown gets the pace in which he's going the last five, six games, 125-plus every game, and they're winning every game, I could easily see it going to him because quarterbacks have not been impressive this year. Mahomes isn't doing anything. Herbert hasn't taken the next step that we've been waiting for him to do. Josh Allen looks like the only Tyson one, Bajan. The only really one that he's got his hungriest uh, – <laughs> Oh, relegated. <laughs> He's God's tastiest baby for the God's hungriest people. Okay, unrelegated. That's two weeks in a row, dude. Nah, it was two weeks ago. <laughs> unrelegated, no. <laughs> but other than Lamar Jackson, none of these quarterbacks have been that special. And honestly, Lamar Jackson hasn't. like, And that's not due to him being bad, but they just are that, so good that he doesn't have to be good. Yeah, they just, when you're just slacking people by 35, you don't need to throw it 40 times. You can hand it off to Justice Hill 20 times. Yeah, just hand it over to Keaton Mitchell, and he'll average 30 yards a <laughs> carry. So, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, I think I, I completely agree. The quarterbacks have just been eh this season. And I think that opens up the room. Now, knowing the if writers and the people that vote for the MVP – it's going to go to a quarterback yeah. no matter what. I hate it. Which I think is the dumbest thing on the face of the earth because there's so many other talented players in the league that deserve that type of recognition. And they used to give them that recognition. I mean, AP was the, was pretty recent still in the grand scheme of things. So it's not like that long ago they weren't recognizing these guys. But I don't know when it switched to just a quarterback award. And I think this year could be the perfect year to switch it back to an everybody award. I mean, Justin Jefferson arguably should have got it last year with what he did for that. Poverty I mean, Cooper Vikings Cup was team. a triple crown winner. Yeah, he could have won it a few years ago. Yeah, and they just don't get they don't get the love that they deserve. It's it's very it's tough to see, and I think this year is the year that they might get a shot. Yeah. What other receivers would you give some recognition to? I would give it to Pokanakoa as a rookie <laughs> is fantastic. Ceedee Lamb is really performing in his contract year. You want to talk about under the radar? I think CD Lamb's kind of been under the radar. Yeah, no one wants season. to talk about him. Uh, Stephon Diggs, as usual, is up there kind of quietly. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase hasn't lived up to potential. Well, uh, why, why do you think that is? What has been Jamar Chase's issue? Because the, the, the Bengals have their annual bad first two, three games to start the year. It's just what, because last few years, Burroughs missed all the training camps. So that's what that was. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's still top 10 in yards and all that. Do you see him taking a jump in the second half oh, of the yeah. season? Without a doubt. Then I give some love to Keenan Allen. Old man Keenan is having a career year. Mm-hmm. That, that's one guy I wanted to talk about. I put him in my honorable mention list, too, that Keenan Allen has been fantastic. And kind of going off what we were saying before, Justin Herbert's having a disappointing season. To, and in a lot of people's eyes, you know, they haven't been able to win games in the fourth quarter. It's yeah. it's getting kind of embarrassing at They this won point. solely last night because of their defense. Exactly. 
Austin Eckler has missed some time this season. Mike Williams and Josh Palmer are now out, so your other top two receivers. And Keenan Allen is still out here putting up great numbers. Donald Parham is your second-best receiver on that team, and he's a backup tight end. Yeah. So for him to be able to be out there putting up those types of stats with what he is given on the offensive side of the ball is fantastic, and I think he deserves a lot of love. You know, it's kind of along the lines of a Mike Evans. I think he's another guy that people just don't talk about, even though he's been been generationally good. Yeah. If we're being honest, he's been one of the best receivers of the 2010s, 2020s. Without a doubt. And people don't want to talk about it. And I think I think he deserves his flowers. I think this season is a prime example of why a guy like him deserves his flowers. I agree 100%. Are there any guys you see kind of going with other positions taking a leap and then taking a fall out of this top group of guys? Uh, I mean, I could see Puka kind of if the the Rams just kind of flatline here and have like backup quarterbacks. So this year, I could see him kind of falling out. Uh, DJ Moore is always a possibility because he plays for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> That's about it. Um, a guy like Devontae Adams, who's sitting right now currently in like that middle tier of guys, he's at 17 in the league in receiving yards with the coaching change and the culture change that's happening in Las Vegas, do you see him taking any kind of jump this season, or is Las Vegas just kind of... Slight jump. Successful. But <laughs> they just have a bad scheme. Yeah, McDaniels is gone, but they have uncertainty at their quarterback position, but now they have O'Connell. Who knows how long that's going to last? Can't go back to Brian Hoyer. And yeah. What, what changes do you think a team like that needs to make to make a guy like Devontae Adams... Useful again. Need to go out and get a quarterback and get an offensive line. Better play call. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could still easily. He had a couple good games earlier in the year. They just got to throw to him. Make it a point. Hey, we only do get eight catches this game at least. Make it a point. They love giving it to Jacoby Myers, but they don't like giving <laughs> it to Devontae. They uh, grappled over through him like four times in that Lions game. They should have won that game if they just threw it to Devontae. So we'll see. Mm hmm. I think once you start throwing it to Devante too, that opens up Hunter Renfro. That hope opens up Jacoby Myers a yeah. little bit more. That yeah. opens up Josh Jacobs in the run game. They have a so bit much more. talent on that team; they just they don't use it at all. Yeah. Well, they have so much talent, except for in the quarterback room. If we're being honest, yeah. <laughs> literally I mean, everywhere got, else. They did not get the Jimmy special this year. They got the special Jimmy. <laughs> so, yeah, not good. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, I I had some hope for him going into the yeah, season. He played well against the Giants. Yeah, he he's didn't a play fourth well round pick. That. Yeah, love his stash he's got going on. Maybe <laughs> wouldn't I won't say that, but maybe <laughs> wouldn't want to hang out with him. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know another guy that I see moving up in in this group is uh, Justin Jefferson, just because he hasn't been. Oh yeah, he he'll, hasn't been healthy. You be know, obviously he's going to sneak back into that type of group of guys once he gets back on the field. That and maybe in terms of sneaking up the Jordan Addisons of mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Shame Kirk got hurt because he was playing amazing with Kirk. Now he's got to build chemistry with Dobbs, but he will. Mm-hmm. Um, With the Saints offense starting to play a little better, do you see a guy like Chris Olave no. taking any kind of climb? Him and Derek Carr hate each other. It's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> Chris Olave tried to drive away from his problems. Yes, I mean – Rugs, now Olave. I mean, I don't know what it is. Derek Carter makes you want to just say, you know, I loved her, man, and just press on the gas. <laughs> Let's move on. 
uh, since we've been talking about some of the Vikings receivers, let's move on to their tight end. Uh, I had TJ Hawkinson as my number one tight end in the league. Who would you have as your number one tight end in the league this year? I appreciate the blocking aspect of tight ends. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. I just think he's been more impressive. Mm-hmm. What, what about his game beyond the blocking and or going with the blocking have you liked so far this season? What makes him so valuable at that tight end position? It's just like the volume of catches that he gets. Like he gets like a lot of games where he's got like eight to ten catches. He's not just you know like kiddo like you know five for a hundred and you know he's like a forty yard gain because he's wide open. It's like he has to like actually like work for it. And he doesn't have you know a very extremely prolific passing quarterback on his team mm-hmm. with Lamar. So I feel like he just has to like work for it more than everyone else. Yeah. I, I mean, you definitely see that. And how talented of an offense that is, him to be the main target stands out. Yeah. You know, I think people kind of look at the Ravens and what they have been the past few years on the offensive side of the ball and kind of ignore their offense because of that. But they have a very, if I'm being honest, a very deep receiving core. Yeah. It's not the greatest group of players, but, but they're it's all deep. solid. They have about a six deep of guys that would be top three on any team. Yeah. I would say in that first three. Zay. Odell is a, is a third receiver. Mm-hmm. Rashad Bateman has his moments. He's kind of been disappointing this season in my eyes, yeah. but he has his moments. Devin Duvernay has a lot of Aguilar potential. Aguilar will be receiver number three on a lot of teams. Exactly. He has been. Especially like, he has been, yeah. Uh-huh. So. I mean, they, they have options in that group, and he just consistently, consistently outperforms everybody on the field. And yeah. obviously he has some kind of amazing connection with Lamar. Him and Lamar are just on the same wing, wavelength I think even beyond Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, and I think you've seen that this season, is they're, when they really don't have anybody in Kansas City, you see how much they rely on Travis Kelsey and where it can like break up for them, you know, and where it can kind of screw them up that they rely so much on them. So to have kind of just a cleaner connection in Baltimore with all those other guys, it, it can be a scary team there. Um, what I like about TJ Hawkinson is that he's kind of taking that next step as a tight end this year. I think he's fully become into that class of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey in that first tier of tight ends. Yeah. He's been the number one target on that team since Justin Jefferson has been out. You know, kind of going with what you're saying about Mark Andrews, he's not getting eight catches a game, but he's getting eight targets a game now. He's getting his up to double-digit targets every game. And with a guy like Josh Jobs coming in to be the quarterback, I can only see that going up. That's the guy you rely on when you're when you're a quarterback who's not fully ready to be in that position. And I can see his numbers continuously looking to rise. Are there any other names you would give some love to this season? You mean Kelsey Kittles of the world? Cole Komet is a top ten tight end in the NFL mm-hmm. in terms of stats. I mean, we didn't talk about him in the Bears section that much, but those two catches he had for touchdowns Very were nice. phenomenal. I mean, he's got what six touchdowns this year so mm-hmm. far. And- He's put, he's producing. On a bad offense, bad team, he's producing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, kind of what I was saying about Josh Jobs and TJ Hawkinson, that's what Cole Komet has been to Tyson Badgett so far. In these few games, he's been that safety blanket that he can just rely on to be open and be there when he doesn't know who else to throw to. And I think that's an extremely important skill for a tight end to learn and be able to do is just be a safety blanket. Because you get a lot of catches when you're a safety blanket, when you're not trying to do too much. That's kind of my thing with like a guy like Darren Waller and why the past few years haven't really worked for him. Because when teams get bad, 
you can't have a tight end that's just going downfield every play and hoping he can make a play. You need a guy that can sit at the five yard line and make a play from there. You know, get an extra ten yards out of a five yard play and be that safety blanket and make plays happen. That's what Travis Kelsey does best. That's what Mark Andrews of the world do best. And I think that's what Cole Komet's starting to learn how to do. And I think that can really push him forward. Yeah. Um, one more guy I wanted to talk about Sam Laporta. Right. Very <laughs> good give, rookie. We've given some love to a lot of rookies so far this year. He's been one of the most consistent players on that Lions team and a team that's extremely consistent so far this year. So I think he deserves a lot of love. I think he's going to come out and keep growing as a tight end, and he could potentially be a top-five tight end in a kind of tight end week league um, right now. I think he could come out and be one of the best guys. One more guy I want to give some love to, actually, is Donald Parham. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He's kind of stepped up. Yes, yeah. He's a guy that has been in the league for a few years now, and people don't really know. First of all, he's massive. I, six, I love six massive nine. Guys. Yeah, they're so much fun to watch play football. But he's just stepped up. He's been again a safety blanket for a struggling offense, and I think that's that's really cool to see. Are there any guys you could see taking a jump, falling off for this tight end group? <clears throat> I could see maybe Hawkinson just because he has got a new quarterback. We don't know how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean, Kittle can always get hurt, and then that's about it. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. I mean, again, like I mentioned before, kind of with the running backs, it's just not a very deep group. Yeah. After a certain number of guys, it's all all the same, all mediocre yeah. kind of players. The which, Juwan Johnsons of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, that's probably one of the only guys I could see taking a jump just because he's healthy now, and that's a guy that was supposed to be a part of that New Orleans offense early on. But So now that he's getting back in, that could help him out a little bit. But other than that, I mean, Luke Musgrave, I think you look at a lot of... Athletic enough, yeah. You look a lot of his stats, and he's not a big numbers guy. He only has about 200 yards and one touchdown, I think. Um, But when you look at his advanced stats and how he plays, there's a lot of bright future in that type of guy. And I think we could see some, some kind of jump in that as the season goes on, as... You know, this team starts to kind of figure itself out a little bit more because I think that Packers team is starting to kind of figure themselves out a little bit more. And I think he'll be a huge part of that offense and a safety blanket for Jordan Love the rest of the season. The last group we wanted to talk about today with the AP All-Pro first-team offense is the offensive line. Yeah! Our big boys, we love the big boys. Sackley, who would be your top two offensive tackles so far this season? I got to go with the old, old reliable Trent Williams. I really like what he's done this year. He's been hurt a little bit, but when on the field, he's still the best tackle in the NFL. Then after that, I mean, it's been a rough year for tackles when you think about all these guys that have just really played bad. But I think I'm going to give it to the young guy, Panay Sewell. I mean, they run the ball behind him when they're running it. They love running it to the right side. You're that behind Jonah Jackson or Panay Sewell. I'm giving it to him. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the top offensive tackles have been hurt this year, like Teron Armstead. He's been hurt. Tyron Smith of the world, they've missed some time. So I'm going to give it to a young guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think Penny Sewell's been one of the best tackles in the league so far. The Lions' offense has been one of the best in the league, and a lot of that has to do with their offensive line. And their other top players, like Frank Ragnow, has missed a little bit of time this season for them. Penny Sewell's been the stalwart, though. Yeah, Joe Jackson's missed time. He's been out there. Exactly. He's just been out there. He's been the guy. Um, I think he's only given up six pressures so far in one sack. Uh, over the entirety of the season, he's played every single game. Um, that's pretty impressive for a guy that, or for an offensive line in general that didn't have that high of expectations, but now they're playing beyond that. They're they're the best O line in the league. 
by far, without some of their best players in that group. It's fun to watch. They made David Montgomery look real good at the beginning yeah, of the season. Yeah, made Jameer Gibbs look real good now. <laughs> and, I mean, you give Jared Goff enough time in, a, in the pocket, and he makes plays. And all of that goes back to the offense line. And you look at the worst teams in the league, the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals are dumpster fires of all lines. And that impacts the entire team. So when you have a guy who's that good, who's splitting time not only between not not only at left tackle but at right tackle, he's been playing both sides of the ball this year, and he's been phenomenal on both sides of the ball. He's yeah. been playing right tackle the past few years and switched to left tackle. My other tackle that I wanted to give some love to was Tristan Wirfs, who yeah. did the opposite. He has been playing right tackle his whole career, switched over to the left side, has been one of the best pass blockers in the he's entire league. Yeah, um, That Buccaneers team, Baker Mayfield <laughs> – Excuse me. Baker Mayfield has 2.97 seconds to throw the ball every time. He's guaranteed three seconds every time he's in the pocket because he has a guy like Tristan Wirfs there. Um, I don't think that impact is uh, shown enough uh, in the world of the NFL. I don't think people give that enough love. This Buccaneers team isn't that good. And they're playing a lot better than they should be, and I think a lot of that comes down to the way that they've been able to give a guy like Baker Mayfield time. Yeah, that and occasionally run the ball. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, kind of with that occasional running of the ball, that goes back to the offensive line. And then Tristan Wirfs being able to be one of the best run blocking yeah. He's they just one of the best tackles in the league. They don't really have anyone else on the old line. They got Matt Filer, okay, he's kind of on the edge of his prime, kind of declining. Robert Hainsley, which they wanted to kick him out of town last year. You got a rookie, Cody Mouch. And then uh, what's the uh, other tackle? It's... Uh, Second-year guy, Luke Godeke. Yes, thank you. So and he's he carrying like, He had like three uh, penalties in one game that yeah, I saw. it was rough. So he's out there carrying a unit by himself, which is really hard to do, and keeping this Buccaneers team alive. Were there any other names that you could see being mentioned in that uh, offensive tackle group, or is this just kind of a weaker group like you were saying? Uh, there's some good ones. I mean – in terms of young guys, another that Bernard Rainman for the Colts, he'll eventually mm -hmm. be an All Pro. Not this year, obviously, but Dewan Jones, star right tackle, he's going to be a star. Mm -hmm. He's really filled in for Jack Conklin, who probably could have been up here. Uh, you look at that. I mean, Darnell Wright's a good young guy. The, the tackle position in the NFL is very young right now. Mm -hmm. The Joe Thomases, the Andrew Whitworths, that whole generation's kind of leaving. The only one still up is like Trent Williams. We'll see, you know. Mm -hmm. Are there any guys you've been disappointed by in this off offensive tackle group so far this year? I would have liked to see more out of McGlinchey, considering how much he got paid. And then um, I'm disappointed in our boy Braxton Jones. We thought he was going to take the next step. He looked bad the first two games, then got hurt, and then didn't look much better against the Saints. So I'm I'm a little depressed about him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one other name that I would throw out there is David Bakhtiari. The fact that he, Bum! the fact that he's been sitting on the sideline for another season, it's just it's awful to see. He was, you know, you talk about that group of offensive tackles with the Joe Thomases and the Trent Williams. He's in that group, and we haven't seen him play in three years. But he just keeps taking money from that organization. I don't know who did this surgery. I don't know if it was, you know, a discount guy. I don't know if it's your uncle Jim. <laughs> I don't know. If, who knows? They messed his knee up. All he did was tear his ACL. At least that's what we've been told. And it's taken him like more than three years to recover. 
I mean, at this point in his career, he said he's not going to play on turf fields ever again. He'll only play on grass fields if he if he ever plays again, which mm-hmm. he probably shouldn't mm-hmm. at this rate. Yeah. Um. Let's let's move on over to the next position on the line, the offensive guards. Any like guys you'd like to give some love to there? We talked about before Tyler Smith. I mean, he's, he's been fantastic. Missed a couple games early, but he's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got him. Then there's a lot of guys I really like, but. Personally, I, I've always been a fan of him. I've always liked him. Wyatt Teller. Mm-hmm. I just feel he's so physical, and just that's what they do now in Cleveland. Even without Nick Chubb, they just run up behind him. They pull him. He pulls great for a big guy. I've always been a big fan of him. I'm gonna give it to Wyatt Teller. Mm-hmm. He's had a very good year. Yeah, I, I we had talked about Tyler Smith before the show. Um, a guy that was initially supposed to play offensive tackle for this Cowboys team whenever Tyron Smith decided to retire. They kind of needed him to move inside to guard, and he's been playing that since last season. And this season, he came out as the full time guard and has been spectacular for them. Um, I had talked about before, he's only given up seven pressures so far this season through uh, seven games. He's missed a couple, but you know, you can miss two games and still be an impactful player for this team. And I think you see that when he is playing because this group has been so. It's just not the same Cowboys offense line we're used to seeing. It's a very different group. It's not the same dominant group that's always been out there. So for a guy to be able to step up and be that next generation of offensive linemen for them, that's fun to see. The other guy I want to give some love to, and I just want to give some love to some Bears guys, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, I think he's been one of the best guards and one of the only bright spots of this Bears team so far. He's this year. out there. He's fantastic. He just needs to make sure to be out there. That's the biggest thing. Um, and we've seen that a lot with the rest of our offensive line, too, is that when they're out there, they can improve as players, but they just got to be out there. <clears throat> um, are there any other guys that you would give some love to out of that group? Chris Lindstrom's been very good for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I would also like to give some love to – what was his name? Landon Dickerson, my bad. <laughs> Beast, I mean, he's kind of the unsung hero of that offensive line. They always talk about Kelsey and Lane Johnson, and they like Melodic so he can mm. sing, and he's big, and he played rugby. But he's very, very good. He was an all-pro last year as well. They they like to run it. They lean a little bit to the left side when they do the tush-push. So, it's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking with that Eagles offensive line, let's move on to our last position of the line before we take a quick break here. Uh, my top center in the league, and I think a lot of people's top center in the league so far, is still Jason Kelsey. Is there any other guys you would say deserve some Creed in the group? Creed Humphrey. I mean, Creed Humphrey actually rated higher than Kelsey last year, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So I'd give it to him. I would give it to... Uh... Lucas Patrick? Frank Ragnow. <laughs> I, Lucas Patrick makes me want to... <laughs> Do bad things to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I give it to Ragnar because that offensive line is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing is that, and I, I give it to Jason Kelsey, obviously. Jason Kelsey being ad, as old as he is, and every year. He's an old man. Every year getting closer to retirement. He's small, too. And he just is a killer every single Beast. year. He's no so athletic. This year. I mean, you mentioned the tush push before. It's all him. It's all him. It's all on his shoulders, on his back. It's Everyone all lands him. on him, too. Like, that must hurt. It, especially when you're out as, as old as he is. Like, I watched that little documentary they made about him. I wonder what he had to do to do that. But he's in a lot of pain. Like, 
at times he can't even play with his kids, and he's playing this well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the last season we see Jason Kelsey yeah. for sure? He probably should have retired medically after last year, but I don't blame him for coming back this year. He's been fantastic this mm-hmm. year, so I think this will be his last year. Yeah, And I think they have a huge chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. We'll talk about that when we get back from the break. We have a conversation about who we think are the biggest uh, contenders from each side of the NFL, but stay tuned for that. We'll play a couple songs, and we'll be right back. Enjoy, guys. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. How's it going, folks? Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you missed the first half, I'm Big Chuck. I got Sackman here with me. We discussed our first half All-Pro teams and the Chicago Bears. Another disastrous performance. Let's talk about some good teams now, though. We wanted to talk about who we felt were real contenders as we reached the halfway point here in the season. Let's start with talking about some of these AFC teams. Exactly, who's the first team that you would say is a contender on the a- AFC side? I mean, we have to go to the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Now in their suddenly vaunted, dominating defense, mm-hmm. kind of flipping the script of previous years, their offense is kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. But if they get the offense going, I mean, this then that's the scariest Chiefs team we've ever seen. So it's always them having a subpar or just good enough defense. Now they have a dominant defense. So, that, I mean, that's kind of a scary thought. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, looking at this Kansas City Chiefs team, let's talk about them for a little bit here. What, what parts of their offense need to get going for them to be that scary team that you're talking about? The receivers, I mean, they're past, they're running the same as they always have. I would like to see a little more out of their run game, but they need just more out of their passing. Like, Mahomes has so, has so many games this year where he's under 200 yards. You know they have Kelsey. The receivers need to step up. Mm-hmm. The Kadarius Tonys of the world, Rashid Rice. Rashid Rice is the one receiver that's kind of overperformed. Uh, Justin Ross is done. So I'd like to see more out of Sky, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. Doesn't help that all these receivers are basically the same thing. S- small, fast slot receivers. All guys that they were hoping would be Tyreek Hill. That <laughs> <Ed> aren't. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to get the ball into Kadarius Tony's hands in many different ways possible, but he he has to let it get into his hands. Yeah, first. he's got to <laughs> catch the ball for anything to happen. So that's always an issue with him. But other than that. The run game's been fine. The offensive line's solid. I think Isaiah Pacheco has been one of the more underrated players in the league so far this season. Yeah. Um, I think people have kind of ignored the Chiefs' offense and the Chiefs in general just because everybody figures they're going to be good no matter what. So people don't really pay attention to them until it gets into the later part of the season. But Isaiah Pacheco has been one of the only reasons this offense has been consistently moving. Um, I think he deserves a lot of praise for this team. I think... You know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's always going to be the number one guy on this team. But I think Isaiah Pacheco is really the MVP of this offense so far this year. Um, and for this team to keep going, I think he needs to keep having a season like he is. Um, and I don't think, you know, if they get the passing game going, I don't think that happens. I don't think he has as good of a season. I think the reason that he is having as good of a season is because the passing game isn't working. But I would hope that if they do find that groove, which they probably will, because, again, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they always find that groove. Um, I hope that they don't forget about him 
in that offense. You know, we see what happens in Buffalo whenever they decide to start throwing the ball a little bit more and they forget about their run game when they really shouldn't. A team like the Chiefs can't do that. And they've proven in the past that they won't do that, that they'll still get their guys carries if they feel like those guys deserve carries. Um, I just hope that, you know, in a season where it looks like they may need to, you know, find the answer a little little sooner and a little more hastily than they normally would, I hope that they don't decide to forget about that that aspect of their offense. <clears throat> um, going with this defense, what has been the bright spot of this defense for you? For that, it's just this pass rush. Is, they have so many guys. Obviously, they have Chris Jones, but you look at Mike Dana, five and a half sacks. Drew Tranquil was leading the team in tackles, three and a half sacks. Very underrated free agent signing. And you got guys like Charles Amenu from the 49ers, sack and a half. Half sack from Herring. It's just a lot of different guys all contributing. I mean, George Karloff has six sacks. Mm-hmm. Leo Chanel has three. Yeah. Like, they, it's just they come in like waves. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone is. Producing Chris Jones has, what, five and a half on the year as well? That, and then the coverage has been fantastic. I mean, they shut down Tyreek Hill. Their secondary is what kind of makes a pass rush good. Pass rush is, you know, Aaron Chris Jones is not the most talented. The, their secondary is all young, all fast, and they're all impressive. I mean, Jarius Sneed is a beast. Uh, that McDuffie really kind of shut down Tyreek Hill. Uh the linebackers, Willie Gay and Bolton, are solid, very good players. But they just have all-around good players, no one crazy other than Jones. They all just do their jobs, and they're young and talented, and just it's their time. Mm-hmm. What What do you think this front office does so well that they can keep building defenses and offenses consistently with players that you don't really see as household names? What What, what does their scouting look like, and how do you do that as a team like the Chicago Bears who – Death, definitely need that type of scouting. Super Bowls are won in draft rounds three through seven. They've kind of missed on a lot of their first rounders, but drafts rounds three through seven, really two through seven, where you have to actually do scouting. They're fantastic. I mean, they find a like a you know obviously they draft Creed Humphrey in the second round. They find a Trey Smith in the fifth round out of Tennessee. They find a Mike Dana, you know, fifth round guy. They find. Guys everywhere. You know, Legarius Sneed, sixth rounder, I believe. Tranquil was a not no one really cared about him as a free agent. They get mm-hmm. sign a guy like that. Leo Chanel, day three pick. Good player. They just find guys. Jalen Watson's of the world. Day three guy. I mean, and they they find good players that are young and they just develop them well. Mm-hmm. Um how how much of that do you give credit to Andy Reid? And then where do you see Andy Reid all-time as a coach? Andy Reid all-time to me is a top-three coach. I mean, if he wins another one, he could go, you know, ahead of, you know, a guy like Belichick. It's, for, when it comes to coaches, like, I feel there's got to be different tiers because, like, I'm not putting Curly Lambeau and George Hallis with, like, <laughs> you know, they did it in, like, the 60s. When their teams were the dominant teams in the league by yeah. far. Yeah. So in terms of modern day coaches, he Andy Reid's at least top five, with Belichick, with uh, uh, Chuck Knoll. He was I'll give him modern. He was seventies, eighties, nineties. Uh, guys like that, you know. But he does well. And then Steve Spagnuolo is kind of the unsung hero. They always want to talk about when the enemy was there. Now we kind of chastise Nagy, 
But Steve Spagnolo, I mean, he's really kind of resurrected his career. You know, he was, didn't work out as a head coach with the Rams, kind of bounced around, but he's stuck with them since 2019. He's really, he creates championship defenses. I mean, Giants won the Super Bowl with him as their D coordinator in the original go-around. He's done a very good job. If there's a shot that Andy Reid decides to step down from that head coach position in the next few years, which is very possible, do you think see a guy like Steve Spagnuolo getting another shot at head coach, or even outside of the Chiefs, do you see him getting another shot at being head coach somewhere? I see. I think he would be the guy to replace. I don't think. I think Reid kind of let Nagy call some plays this year. Mm-hmm. Play didn't work out, so he's like, okay, I got to give it to Spagnuolo if I retire. But outside, I don't. I don't really think so because, like, I feel in the NFL, you only get one shot as head coach. If you're not going to perform, then very rarely do you get a second chance. And very rarely when you get that second chance to you perform. Like, look at a guy like Josh McDaniels. It's bad the first go around, ten years off, second chance, just as bad, maybe even worse. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think he'll get really a legitimate chance with someone outside the. Uh, his record was too bad with the Rams. He was he won like nine games in two years. It was rough. I think the other thing with that is defensive guys just haven't worked recently at those head coach jobs. You look at a guy like Eberflus, you know, perfect example, which has kind of gone downhill. Vic Fangio. Uh, Matt Patricia got a shot. Yeah. You know, all these guys that are, they are seem as like wizards on defense. They don't know how to appeal to the whole team for some reason. Jeff McDonald. You know, and I, I don't understand why that is. I'm not. I'm not in the NFL. I don't. I don't see a lot of that stuff. But when my big thought is that it's such an offensive-driven league, you can't have a guy who's not focused on offense. The game has changed so much in the past 20 years that the focus is so different. You need the Mike McDaniel's of the world. You need those young, fiery guy, offensive guys that can change games that way and win you games on offense. Game is games are won on offense now. Yeah, and the defense is the unsung hero for a team like the Chiefs. Those are the guys that you you don't want to see hear about the defense. You want the defense just to go out there and ball, and not cause any trouble. And I think that's what you need this year. And I think a guy like Spagnola, I think he'd hurt his career by going and becoming head coach. I think that's kind of what Eric Bieniemy thought for a long time too. I think that's part of the reason he stuck around with the Chiefs for so long. I don't really know why he left to go be an offensive coordinator with the Commanders. That was beyond me. But I think with a team like the Chiefs, you stick around and keep that role knowing that this team is going to continue winning. And if the Chiefs give him a head coaching shot, which I think is possible, I think it could stop his end his career again, like you were saying. I don't think these guys deserve second shots. So I think maybe he should just stick with the defensive coordinator role throughout his career, even if they need a new head coach soon, which is possible. Andy Reid's getting up there in age. He's... His health isn't always the best. So he looks well tired known. this year. Yeah, he's not as like spunky and happy as he usually is. He's kind of just like, "All right, guys, uh, let's go go out and win." Mm-hmm. Being this first team in our discussion here, where would you rank them in a top six of Super Bowl contenders? Number one, they okay. gotta you gotta knock out the champion. So till I see till I see it happen, they're number one. They're still number one right now, so got to give it to them. For sure. Let's talk about our next team in the AFC. Um, you had talked about them a little bit earlier before the show and then earlier in the show how they had kind of a slow start, but I was starting to pick it up a little bit. The Cincinnati Bengals. What is the ceiling of this team? Super Bowl champion. 
They have the quarterback to do it. They have the skill position players to do it. Their defense steps up big time in big games. Lou Arumo deserves a head coaching chance. Talk about head coaching. He deserves one. The amount of great defensive performances this defense have done in big games the last two, three years, I'd give it to him. They have two pass rushers. They got multiple receivers that are fantastic. They got everything. Mm-hmm. Just whether or not that old line's going to show up. That's all it comes down to with them. It's been the issue for the past five seasons that the offensive line has not been able to show up for this team. When are they going to find the right guys? What is what is not working for this team that they just can't consistently have a bad offensive line? If they don't draft him. They just try to find, like, oh, he's a solid veteran, but he's not really not that good. Plus, Burrow likes to hold on to the ball. So that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But it's Joe Burrow. I'm not going to tell him to not do that. <laughs> He he finds ways to make plays. Yeah. Um, Do you think they had any opportunities to truly beef up their offense line either this offseason or at the trade deadline and you think that they missed out on? I would have. If I were them, I would have. I would have done something. I mean, there's no one that really strikes my mind as of right now at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. No one really got traded. I don't think anyone... There's no offensive alignment that's like on the trading block the, right now. The one guy that did get traded, Ezra Cleveland, got traded traded from the Vikings, he's, and that was the biggest name. He's in bad. <laughs> and then I would have drafted. I'm drafting an offensive lineman every year until it, until it gets it's, figured it's out. Good. But yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I think every year the offensive line catches up to the Bengals a little bit more. And that is my only only thought that this team wouldn't be Super Bowl contenders this year. And I think, for me personally, they're right on that cusp. They'd probably, when we talk about ranking these teams, they'd probably be my number six, number five team. They'd be pretty close to being able to be switched out with another team. Um, it's because their start was so bad. Exactly. Um, moving forward in the second half of the season, what – what do you need to see from this team <clears throat> with their bad offense line? What what changes do they need to make just overall as a team to solidify themselves maybe in that top three instead of the bottom? What they've been doing the last couple games, getting the ball downfield, running it more, running it more effectively than playing that great second-half defense like they always do. Mm-hmm. What, what does it take for them to run the ball more effectively? Because a lot of times from this Bengals team we see – Joe Mixon either have really good games or really bad games. What what needs to be consistent There's, for this? They got to commit to it. They got to execute. I mean, they have some guys on their line. Orlando Brown Jr., you know, Ted Karras is solid. Jonah Williams is now at right tackle, which I think uh, was probably the better fit. And I was, how bad he's been. He's still a first-round pick, a recent first-round pick. He at times plays well. Mm-hmm. But they need to commit to it, and they just got to go out and execute. That and be a little creative. Mm-hmm. Um. When they're going again up against a team like the Chiefs, who do, who are you giving at their best? Who are you giving that edge to still? I would give it to the Bengals, but the Chiefs' lows are better than the Bengals' lows. Mm-hmm. But I just feel this is the Bengals' year. I feel this is their last year in this championship window with these guys. I think it's their year. And what happens if it's not their year? You said it's their last year in this championship window. What happens? I think they probably lose Higgins. And then you know, maybe lose a defender, Logan Wilson, someone like that. And then they'd still be good. I'd still have them 
is a playoff team, but then they start to become like what Buffalo is now where they're declining. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they keep Higgins if they win a Super Bowl? I think they'd try. I mean, they could always just trade Tyler Boyd. or I really like that rookie. They have the Andre Solvis guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, decathlete, All-American at Princeton, and went to Prince, smart guy. 6'3", 215, 4'4", 4'3". I think you can just develop him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're T Higgins, what are some ideal spots for you moving forward in the off season if you don't come back to the Cincinnati Bengals? I'd like to see him on the Bears. You get him with DJ Moore, let Mooney walk, draft Marvin Harrison. That's a pretty solid group right there. Getting left tackle and just say, here we go, Justin. Uh I'd like to see him on the Giants. They could use they need a receiver. Had no line. Uh, I could see him on the Chiefs. Chiefs need a receiver. They don't have a receiver. Mm-hmm. Patriots. Teams like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what teams? You know, you mentioned the Patriots in that in that group. What teams do you think are likely candidates, but you wouldn't want to see them go to? I wouldn't want to see them on the Patriots. That, and I wouldn't want to see them on the Giants because Giants would just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my last question about this uh, this Bengals team, and then this kind of goes into our next team too. Um, how hard is this division that they're playing in, and do you think that has any effect on the rest of the season? And it's a rough they division. Them? They got four good teams. Cleveland is arguably the best defense in the league. <clears throat> arguably Pittsburgh has the best defense in the league. Arguably Baltimore is the best team in the league. So. It's not going to be easy. This is the black and blue division. I wouldn't be surprised if all four teams made the playoffs. <laughs> um, if that happens and they're beating up on each other, do you think that has any effect on the Bengals going into the playoffs or during the playoffs that could possibly hurt them? Yeah, it could. I mean, lose guy or two going against those. AFC North football games are different. Mm-hmm. People, people <laughs> For a long time now. They've been people, different. you know, leave with life-altering injuries. <laughs> Antonio Brown. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, a couple real physical games late in the year. Yeah, that could have a lasting effect. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's talk about that last team that you mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens, possibly being one of the best teams in the NFL. They're our third AFC contender. What do you like about the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, when fully, they just smack people, man. I mean. Lions, 38-6. Seahawks, 37-3. Texans, who are a pretty solid team, 25-9. It's like when they're all there and they're all healthy, they're just, I like how dominant they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the stats, they're, they can run the ball with the best in the league. Now, now that they have this little Keaton Mitchell, rookie out of ECU that was, I've been waiting for him to see, they have a top-five run game in the NFL. And now they have an improved passing game. I mean, they were at like 180 yards a game. Now they got 217. They have a lot of weapons, you know. The Mark Andrews that we talked about earlier, Zay Flowers, very good rookie. Nelson Aguilar. But Beckham's starting to, you know, mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bateman, you know, Isaiah Likely is a good number two tight end. They have guys. And then their defense has been downright dominant. Arguably the, sec- the second best off the ball linebacker in the NFL. Patrick Queen has really stepped up, kind of got mad that he traded for Roquan. He's got, you know, 75 tackles and three and a half sacks. Justin Matabuke, career year, 
contract year, 2020 draft pick. He's having a fantastic season, seven and a half tack, uh, sacks, sorry, 30 total tackles. He's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Clowney's showing signs of life. Kyle Van Noy, got these <laughs> veterans that are just showing signs of life. I mean, just the depth of this team I really like and just the dominance of this team. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this is a very deep team. I think this is – them being deep was definitely on purpose. You know, they spent the last four seasons almost there, almost there, and then their entire team gets hurt. Literally their entire team gets hurt every single yeah, year. Yeah, it's rough. This is the first year that they've been even remotely healthy, and they still lost their starting running back for the season, still have had their guys out with injury. And this is the first time they look healthy because of that depth, because they have guys that are able to step in when those guys get hurt. And I think that's extremely important for a Super Bowl caliber team. When you look at some of these other teams that have won the Super Bowl, have been in the Super Bowl the past few years, they have options beyond the first two guys in in almost every position besides maybe quarterback. And I think the Ravens probably have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league too. You know, Tyler Huntley's not anybody you mess with. He played extremely well last season when he He's had to play the last He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Exactly. Which isn't the biggest award nowadays. But, you know, it's still on his resume. It's still better than a lot of guys have in their resumes. There's starting caliber quarterbacks in this league that haven't been to a Pro Bowl. So, yeah. But to that, you know, I think this team might be the best team in the NFL. They have a chance to prove it because they have a brutal schedule. If they have Cleveland, Cincinnati, the Chargers, <laughs> Rams are the only bad team remaining, Jacksonville, San Francisco, Miami, and Pittsburgh. <laughs> so if they are the best team, they're going to they have a chance to go out and prove it. Because if they end up having the best record, they are by far the best team because they have the hardest schedule. Just keep in mind, they already played Houston, Cincinnati, Indianapolis is okay. They already played Cleveland, they smacked two of the best teams in the NFC with Seattle and Detroit, two division leaders in the NFC. So, yeah. Um, I asked this with the Bengals. Because of that tough schedule, how likely is it that Baltimore makes it out of there healthy and is still a contender come playoff time because they have to go through that gauntlet? I think they will if they just stay healthy. But the health is the only thing stopping them. If they stay healthy, they'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed they stay healthy. Um, where would you put them in that tier of six that we were talking about? Put them at number three. Mm-hmm. I think if they st- stay healthy, they're my number one right mm-hmm. now. I think they are the most complete team besides maybe this next team that we're going to talk about hopping over to the NFC, the 49ers. I think they're the most complete team besides the 49ers. Let's talk about the 49ers a little bit. What do you like about this team coming out of the NFC? I, mean, I like their ability to run the ball. I like their skill position players. I love their pass rush, especially now with Chase Young. Uh, I mean, they really, other than sometimes Brock Purdy not looking very well and them having a hard time run, running the ball without uh, Trent Williams, they've been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Purdy started the season as a lot of people – a lot of people's MVP or in the MVP discussion has slowed down a little bit. How how good is Brock Purdy to you, and how much is his play uh, a result of the system that he's in? I think he's a very good quarterback. It's you know every quarterback needs a good system, a good player. So it's kind of a 
wacky argument, but you look at him, he looks like Drew Brees. The way he plays, I mean, he he's mobile, he can move, he's got, you know, 100 rushing yards on the year, 12 touchdowns to 5 picks. He's a good quarterback. Whether you like it or not, he's a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I take him over more than half the quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with Brock Brady. Um, kind of moving forward, do you see any shot of him getting a quarterback competition in the next few years if the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl soon? Say they kind of bottom out this year. I say they go get Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Be that. But... They don't have any draft picks. So I don't know who they're going to draft, and then there's not many guys worth signing. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's an interesting. The only person that I would have said that could have been in competition, and this was before he tore his Achilles, would be a Kirk Cousins. I think yeah. that's just because he's an older Brock Purdy at this point. I think Brock Purdy probably has a higher ceiling, but I think in that offense they're both comparable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I don't. I've kind of been a little bit of a Brock Purdy skeptic, a little skeptical. Of yeah, Brock I don't Purdy. blame people for being skeptical, and especially after those couple of games where he didn't look the very the best, as good as people were saying he was, or as good as he actually was in those first couple of weeks, and that kind of worried me for this 49ers team. Who we talk about injuries with a lot of other teams, this 49ers team has trouble with injuries too. And I think people don't really notice that because they do find ways to stay good even with those injuries. But Christian McCaffrey hasn't played a lot of full seasons in his career. George Kittle hasn't played a lot of full seasons in his career. Debo oh, Samuel yeah. has not played a lot of full seasons in his career. And that could be worrisome for this team when you're going against some of these other NFC teams who find ways to stay healthy 24-7. You know, the Eagles are never hurt. I feel like their team is the same out there no matter yeah, what. Yeah, no one gets hurt on the Eagles. You know, I don't, I don't see a lot of these other teams – being injured the same way that the 49ers have the potential to be injured. Um, and, it, you know, I didn't even mention Trent Williams in that group. He has injury history, too. You know, he he has been injured this season, too, along with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. <sighs> you know, all those guys have already been injured this season. So that is the only thing that I think could be detrimental to them. One thing that might not be detrimental to them is their front seven, though. How good is that front seven, and where would you rank that in this league? Especially after the Chase Young trade. Best in the league. And Javon Kinlaw is like their seventh D lineman. That's how talented they are. Former first round pick, very athletic. You got Dre Greenlaw. Fred Warner is the best off the ball linebacker in the league. Jake Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson's a good, you know, fourth D end. You got Chase Young now who looks good this year. It's the best in the league. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's enough if they were to get all those injuries on offense? Do you think that's enough to keep them as a Super Bowl contender? It's enough to keep them as a playoff team, you know, maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but definitely a surefire playoff team, win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with all that talent comes a lot of contracts coming up. How how easy is it going to be, or how hard is it, should I say, for this team keep this talent moving this forward. This is their last year of their Super Bowl window. They've kind of acknowledged that. Like, hey, we're going to lose some guys after this year. So it's all in. That's why they went and got Chase Young. They're all in on this year. Do you think they keep Chase Young after this season? Do you think he's a guy they choose to extend over some other guys? Depends on how he plays. If he looks like that stalwart the end, yeah. But if he doesn't, then I would say he'd probably 
don't re-sign him. What What are your expectations for him on a defense like this? Well, he's not going to be double-teamed anymore, so I would expect to look pretty dominant, maybe a little bit better than what he's been this year. I He's got five sacks right now. I'd say at least minimum ten sacks on the year. Mm-hmm. Um. What what things were you missing from him in Washington, and do you think people other people are missing from him in Washington that a team like San Francisco can get out of him? And if he does have a good season, where does he go beyond that? I think San Francisco will just put him in a position to just attack more. Mm-hmm. Like he always had to think in Washington, Ron Rivera, you know, older school defense. Now he just he can just go and play, and he's got so many good players around him. He doesn't have to go be special. He can just go. Run. And then that, and I think he'll be healthier. Mm-hmm. She will. He missed a season and a half. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned this being the last year of that San Francisco Super Bowl window. What are the next steps for this team if they don't win the Super Bowl this year? Draft. They're going to lose guys. They, they got to hit the draft. They don't have a first-round pick, so they got to hit the rounds three through seven very well. Mm-hmm. Do you still see them being Super Bowl contenders next year? I mean, kind of just depends on how their season ends. If it's bad, then no. But if they win it or they get go to the Super Bowl at least, then yeah, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, kind of looking at the rest of this NFC West, do you think there's any shot that just because two of the teams are going to be pretty weak here that that is a reason for them to still be contenders. That, that would definitely forward. help. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, the that, Cardinals and Rams are two of the worst teams in the league. That's why I projected it to be in the year, and that's what's starting to happen, especially with the Rams. <laughs> when you're starting Brett Rubian at quarterback. Yeah. So I don't think the Rams are going to win many more games this year, and the Cardinals aren't, and they're going to try not to. So, mm-hmm. I mean, unless Kyler Murray comes out and is MVP Kyler Murray. Which they've been in every game. They're a better team than. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to our second team in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. What What do you like about this team? What is their ceiling? The offensive line and defensive line. They have arguably the best offensive line in the league, arguably the best defensive line in the league. Simple as that. That's mm-hmm. how you win football games, and that's how they win. Who has been the most impressive players from those groups that you've seen one offense, one defense? Defense, Jalen Carter, to be this good, this quickly, that dominant. Arguably, he's profile focus number one D tackle in the league as a rookie. That impressed me. And then offensively, I'd got to give it to Jason Kelsey in year 37. Still the best center in the league. Still tush-push is impossible, impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, along with Jalen Carter, one guy that I wanted to talk about a little bit, I think people have forgotten his name, but he's still been a – Productive player is Fletcher Cox. Yeah. He's been out there still. Graham. Yeah, both of them. They've been beyond productive for what is expected of them at this point in what the Eagles have in that group. They aren't needed to be the superstar players that they are. And they're not they're not the same players that they were, but they're still pretty dang Very good. good. Yeah. <laughs> like still I'll take them on the Bears. Any day. Yeah. Any day. Um so I, I definitely want to highlight them just as a duo, and then again as Fletcher Cox as himself. Again, with the guys they've drafted these past few years, you've expected Fletcher Cox to have his fall off and then f- ride off into the sunset. 
but he's still consistently there and they keep they keep bringing guys in to replace him and he keeps finding yeah. ways to stay on that field yeah. so i i want to give a lot of love to him and then on the other side of the ball we talked about him a little earlier too just to just to be a little different from you jordan mylato i think um he's finally starting to get those flowers that he's deserved for the past couple of years now um, I think he's one of the more underrated offensive linemen in the league just because I don't think people expect him to be as good as he is. Um, you know, like you said before, he's New Zealand rugby player. Singer. Singer. You know, he's not he's not your traditional football player, and he's still coming out here being dominant. He's one of those first, you know, there's a few few other rugby guys that they brought into the league before that. He's that the one that's actually worked. He's the one that's stepped up and been taking that spot. So I think he deserves a lot of recognition for that. And he's become a leader on an offensive line that's filled with leaders. That's kind of hard to do, especially when yeah. you're not a very vocal guy like he is. Yeah. Besides the singing. Um, offensively, is there anything that you see in this offense that could be seen as a negative? Turnovers. Forward? They can run the ball all day. That's no problem. It's turnovers. Particularly hmm. from Jalen Hurts, but it looks like he's cleaned that up over the last two games, so I'm not too worried. Do you see that turnover issues with Jalen Hurts coming to be an issue later in the season as they get a little more competitive games? It could, but I think once he gets healthier, he'll start running the ball more, and that always just makes everything easier for him and the offense, and I mm-hmm. think it won't. Yeah. Um, I think... In today's NFL, again, like we were talking about before, with all the offense, teams just turn the ball over more. Yeah. It's kind of just a normal thing that happens nowadays. And I don't think it's as detrimental to the game as it used to be. Yeah, because yeah. it was more so a run-dominated game. Now anyone can come back. Mm-hmm. A couple and fast receivers, you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. You know, Teams are putting up 21 points in the matter of like seven minutes for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you know, we're looking at this Eagles team. Where would you rank them in that group of six that we were talking about? Number two. Number two. I got them as number two. Yeah, uh, that's probably about where I would put them too. I think personally, behind the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, they're they're one of the more complete teams in the league. Again. Behind my Chiefs. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Talk about our last team in the NFC here before we close out the show. This one has been. I wouldn't say. No, I would say one of the most surprising teams in the league so far this season, the Detroit Lions. Yeah. What has you liked the most about the Lions so far this season? I just like their offense as a whole. I mean, the offense starts with the offensive line. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They're top 10 in rushing and passing. They're very dual threat. They're not turning it over, especially with Goff. And then I just like that they, they always have unsung guys that just always step up no matter who's in. Like, you know, they got the Josh Reynolds, the Cleef Raymonds of the world, uh, Craig Reynolds, and then obviously they got the stars like Montgomery, um, Amonra St. Brown. They just acquired down from Peoples Jones. And then, you know, they can just run the ball when they need to. Like, they, when they did what they did against Kansas City, and they said, okay, we're going to run it 10 times on this drive, go down and score the game winning touchdown. And then what I'm really surprised is the defense is actually, like, good. Like, they have a solid defense. Like, I thought it would still be, eh. It's a solid defense. They have a legitimate defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, why I had stopped myself before when I was going to say that they might not be the most exciting team is I, I had a lot of faith in this team. I felt like they were going to win the division going yeah. into the season. Um, I thought they were going to be a playoff team based on what I saw last season. I saw a lot of promise from that team. But they've gone even above that expectation that I had for them. They, they're they not just winning the division. They're, 
they're one of the best teams in the league. Um, this offense, I've always been a huge Jared Goff believer. I thought he wasn't overhated. Really, yeah. yeah, he was. He was getting you know a little bit too much hate in those Los Angeles years after he had been one of the best quarterbacks in the league two years before that. Um, and then I'm also a huge David Montgomery fan coming from the Chicago Bears. Ooh, yeah. Love him. He's had a good season when he's been healthy. You know, there's just a lot to like about this team, and there's a lot of dynamic players on this team. A lot of guys who can do a lot of things and are willing to do a lot of things. I think that's the biggest thing, is that everybody on this team is willing to do what it takes to win. They It, it all comes down to Dan Campbell. I think he is one of the best coaches in the league. I think he deserves coach of the year already. I wouldn't give it to anybody else. You know, Mike McDaniel maybe, but Dan Campbell's my guy. Yeah, he's my guy, yeah. No other team is all in on their coach like the Detroit Lions are. <laughs> um, When I'm watching this team, and we had talked about it a little bit earlier when we were talking about Penny Sewell, I think the number one thing about this team is that offensive line. That's yeah. a group that for a long time wasn't very good. You know, the Detroit Lions have – not really ever been known for their offensive line. You know, you can't really think of a lot of famous Detroit Lions offensive linemen. Nope. And I think we're start going to start hearing some names in history from this group. Panay, Joe Jackson, Ragnow. I think those three guys by themselves are cementing themselves as some of the best offensive linemen of this of this era. The only guy I can think of before them is Jeff Backus. I don't even know who that is. That's because he was with them for like 15 years. <laughs> Wasn't that great, but he was good, but. Not special. Uh, yeah, they, they've had, you know, struggles with this group, and finally it's starting to just click. And what we were saying before, how everything starts at the offensive line, and all the success that's happening behind that group is because of that offensive line. You know, everything starts up front. And I think that's, you know, those two guys, or those two groups, the coaches and the offensive line, are what have built this team to where they're at. And I think everybody's all bought in. What are some weaknesses for this team, though, that you see? At times, their def- their secondary struggles. That then, when the run does get stopped, the receiver position is a little weak. That's why they went out and got Dalvin Peoples Jones. So other than Amonrods, you know, they're not the most sought after guys. Jamison Williams hasn't really worked out. I'd like to see him get more involved, like he did against Tampa Bay. But receivers and their DBs. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've talked about teams and their championship windows uh, and reaching kind of the end of those championship windows. Do you think the Lions have even gotten to their championship window yet? Their championship window starts this year. I think this year is the year they, they, they snap the streak, they win the division, they make playoffs, and then next year is the year where it's like, all right, we got to win it. Because by then the Eagles are going to be kind of old because Kelsey will be gone after this year. Graham and Cox will be – Kind of done by then. There's a shot Lane Johnson would be done. Then yeah, too. yeah. As well, you know the Cowboys. This is like their last chance. That's arguably the or then the Forty ers as well. So it's really going to be Detroit's conference next year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think going into this season they had plans of this being the beginning of the championship window? Yeah, they thought the way they ended last year. This is going to be a hey, Rodgers is gone. Bears are bad. Vikings. We knew we were going to take a step back. They're like, this is our year to win the division. Mm-hmm. How long do you think this team has a championship window for? You know, you were talking about all these other teams starting to fall off. Do you see any other teams starting to take a rise in the NFC and kind of fight the Lions for that top? I don't see any because I feel Seattle's probably going to need a new quarterback after this year. Geno's 
not really cutting it this year. 49ers are going to lose guys. Eagles are going to lose guys. Cowboys are the Cowboys, and they're going to lose people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're starting to get to be a little bit of an older team as well. That old line is going to disintegrate pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyron, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele a little bit. Plus, mm-hmm. he has the knee injury from last year. He didn't look good on Sunday. Their their front seven on the defense side isn't that young either. Yeah. Yeah, you've got Demarcus Lawrence, who's a little bit older. Lane Vander Esch has, you know, surprisingly been around the league longer than you think he has. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the same team. Um, when I when I think about teams that could possibly you know take a next step, I thought the Panthers were going to be a lot better this year than they ended up being. Um, so I had some faith in them at the beginning of the year and some promise, but now it doesn't really look like they have a lot of promise. You know, I think a team like the Cardinals, I really like Jonathan Gannon. I think yeah, I like has, what they're doing there. Uh, I think Kyler Murray, when he's at his best, is an MVP caliber player. We we've seen it before. Yeah. Um, if they can just put other pieces together, they have a shot. You know. Being as sad Bears fans, I still have a little bit of optimism for this team in the future. They got pieces, and they got they, they got, have they mo- got they money and picks, draft That's, capital and money. That's uh-huh. the only thing we got. Uh huh. And, so, and a couple players. So if we get a dream in there too, we get somebody with a vision. We might have something going there. But other than that, there's this NFC is really weak. Yeah. So it could be the Lions to run for a while. I mean, you know, a team like the Vikings might have a shot to still be competitive just because they find ways to refresh talent. Pretty pretty easily, they're a good team at finding that talent. Um, usually outside of their draft picks and stuff, but they've made some good hits recently. Um, you know, I think this Lions team has a real shot to be be the next dynasty in the league if they can they can keep the core group of guys that they have. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, folks. If you guys have any other opinions on who you think would be a contender so far this season, be sure to comment on our recent post. Um, if you missed the first half of the show, be sure to tune in on Spotify after this uh, to be able to listen to that first half where me and Sackley talk about our all-pro first teams for the first half of the season. Check out the Instagram to see Josh's all-pro first team for the first half of the season, and you guys can compare on there and give us your opinions on those as well. All right, folks, we will see you next week, same time, same place, 8 to 10, Tuesday nights here on WRSE. Be sure to follow us on Instagram as well under Blue Jay Boys WRC, and our Spotify is also Blue Jay Boys WRSE. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, see you next week.